You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, it's funny because we talk about the offseason and how ridiculous the offseason is, but um, now that the season has kind of begun, we're not getting less ridiculous. We're getting maybe even more ridiculous. And so I, I kind of think it's not that we get less ridiculous or more ridiculous or whatever. We're the same level of ridiculous it just seems crazier when there's nothing to talk about, you know? But it almost seems like, you know, before there would be 500 top 10 lists or whatever. And at least then you kind of look at it and you can have some kind of a discussion and, and you know, you mix in a little bit of, well, we don't really know and who knows and eh, this isn't a great list and eh, this is for clicks and whatever. But now we're just getting to the point of people being stupid, right? We, we have kind of something to talk about. And it's not just a matter of like, oh, here's something really cool to talk about. And then you've got the other people going, it doesn't matter. It's preseason. I mean, there's an element of that. But man, we, we are, um, I, I, it's as though we just witnessed the Super Bowl this past week. It was multiple Super Bowls or whatever. But the point is, whatever happened is of the utmost importance. Those preseason games carry the same weight as an entire NFL season. Everything we just saw tells you everything you'll ever need to know. I have been poking around on Twitter trying to get some information, trying to figure out if I missed anything, get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I cannot get away from the dumbest arguments and positions ever. And there's a lot of them out there. But the one that seems to be picking up momentum, and the the way these things pick up momentum is when people really dig in their heels, because a lot of times people say stupid stuff and everyone will come out and be like, yeah, that's kind of stupid and be like, well, it's stupid, but you're stupider and uh, and it kind of dies off. People are digging in their heels and fighting even harder about it and they're doing victory laps and ha ha, you're stupid. And I, and, and you got blue checkmark people that are defending this and I, 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 I'm just kind of at a loss here. And what I'm specifically referring to, and again, there's a lot of examples, but specifically is George Pickens. Now, bear in mind, I was a very big George Pickens fan all throughout the process. When the Packers traded up in the second round, I was there going, please be Pickens. I had said that he's maybe my favorite wide receiver in the entire draft class. So this is who this is coming from. The absolute obsession with George Pickens right now is one of the most pathetic and stupid things I've ever seen. And, and I think it's a couple different things. There's some people that are excited because of their draft takes. And then there's just a bunch of people that love to dunk on the Packers. Bears fans are freaking out, which is hilarious because they also need wide receiver. They need wide receiver worse than we do. 
They didn't draft wide receivers. I mean, aside from Valus Jones, who's a special teamer, although he's going to start because their wide receivers are that bad. They also have worse wide receivers than we do, so they have a bigger need than we do. But they took Brisker, which is another narrative that's absolutely insane. I thought he had a decent day, but um, you got Adam Rank on there talking about he's going to go buy a jersey because this guy's headed to Canton. And I just looked it up, and he had like he was ranked 23rd on his own defense, <laughs> like 23rd out of like 30 defenders. It was it was he didn't grade out very well at all. But the Pickens thing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just confused. If you go on Twitter right now, and you don't have to do this, I'm going to do it right now. George Pickens, just type it into the top and look at what people are saying about George Pickens. It's kind of insane. You got Michelle Magic, who is uh, getting a lot of attention from Packers fans, saying, imagine, imagine George Pickens with Aaron Rodgers. Cannot believe they traded up to take a wide receiver in the second round, and the pick was not Pickens. It's almost as if everybody's in such a hurry to be the first, quote-unquote, the first to have, who have always, I, I always loved him. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be left behind in the party. This is like a popularity contest thing. This is high school garbage. You know, when, like, it becomes popular to wear a certain shirt, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I totally, like, I, my closet is filled with these shirts. I love these shirts. All the time, I've always worn these. It's crazy. It's a popular thing to say, wow, George Pickens is an ascending star. And so Michelle is like, ooh, I've got all the takes on George Pickens. I can't even believe, ugh, I can't believe it. Why can't you believe it? George Pickens caught three passes for 43 yards and a touchdown. Now, granted, he was the highest graded rookie in the entire draft class, so he must have done something super spectacular with those three receptions. But it's still such an unbelievable, unbelievably small sample size. I mean, I, I guess he could have been out there a ton of times and just beat, every, beat the guy off the line every single snap. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I, I looked it up, by the way. The guy he beat on the... The touchdown pass, first of all, there was a pretty clear push-off. I mean, I hate to be a stickler, but that's just a reality. It was a pretty clear push-off. Second of all, it was a second-string cornerback who was a rookie fourth-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know, whatever. But it's baffling to me that... And, and this, this kind of stuff happens all the time, but I, just, I wouldn't expect it from a guy who got three passes in the first preseason game of the season. But... but you know, trying to confirm prior judgments on every single thing based on one preseason game and three receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown is so baffling to me. Apparently, nobody is afraid of having takes thrown back in their face. This dude, first of all, he is Antonio Brown 2.0. He's not right in the head. I'm sorry. The guy's a little off. That's why the Packers didn't pick him, by the way. People are writing articles about, I can't believe, you know, how did he fall as far as he did? It's because he's a little mental. There's something off about him. He's had tons of red flags. Then you got the, the draft day thing where he's wearing like underwear on his head, staring at the TV like a psycho. And then when he gets his one, I think it was his touchdown reception, he does the Antonio Brown dance. The guy's not right. And it was the Steelers that took him. I don't know what the Steelers' obsession with getting guys that are, that are a little off is. Between Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, who seemed like a stand-up guy at the time but lost his mind, George Pickens, they love getting these super talented guys that go off the deep end and end up, end up, you know, falling off into oblivion. Here's a hot take from Jeff Bell. Ready? George Pickens has three catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown in his first quarter of NFL action. Extrapolated out over a full season, that's 204 receptions, 2,924 yards, and 68 touchdowns, which would be a record. Wow. Would it, though? For a season, maybe, but is that a record for a quarter? Probably not. Because, again, ultimately, we're talking about three receptions for 43 yards. 
you know, Tom Kennedy of the Detroit Lions had eight receptions for 104 yards. Granted, it wasn't just a quarter, but still, that's a lot more yards. And even if he played the entire game, if you extrapolate that out over 17 games, that's 1,768 yards. So uh, apparently the Lions really got something in Tom Kennedy here um, because, dang, 1,768 yards he's going to get this season if he plays every game. That's pretty wild, man. NFL Rums, which is kind of a garbage account, but their take on this, Pittsburgh Steelers have done a good job drafting and continued that with George Pickens and Kenny Pickett. What? What are you talking? Why would you say that? How do you know that they've continued to have a good job drafting? You know for a fact that George Pickens and Kenny Pickett are going to be great football players because of what they did in this preseason game. You can watch three receptions in a preseason game and tell me definitively that this guy... By the way, let, let, me, let me clear something else up here. Romeo Dobbs, I, 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 I'm going to do a little bit of a 180 here, not entirely because I'm standing by both things I said. I went back and watched every single snap of Jordan Love because I wanted to get a better picture of what he did. Um, my impression of Jordan Love went down. Romeo got robbed. <laughs> Romeo should have had way more. Did you know he missed out on like a 75-yard touchdown? You probably did, but just think about what that would mean. We wouldn't be talking about George Pickens today. If, if Romeo Dobbs, by the way, the, the pass that was intercepted to Romeo Dobbs, that was an off-target pass. He was open. If the pass was better, um, that would have been a catch for, you know, not too much, but what, I don't know, five, six, seven more yards. And by the way, that wasn't the only one. There was two touchdowns to Dobbs that were not given to Dobbs. There was the one on the right side of the field early on in the game where it kind of looked like the DB might have been pulling on him a little bit. There's a good chance if that ball is on target and he catches that, that's in for a touchdown. And that's another, I don't know, 25-yard touchdown, 30-yard, 35, I don't know. So if there were two passes thrown a little bit better, Dobbs probably has 150 yards and three touchdowns in what, a half? And, and maybe, you know, maybe that first one, the route wasn't great. The last one was clearly an underthrown ball. Two plays after that 75-yard touchdown is the one that ends up getting intercepted because it was a bad throw by Love. Again, it was in his arms. He still should have contorted, caught it, grabbed it, and cradled it like a baby and never let it go instead of dropping it gently into the 49ers guy's arms. But again, shouldn't have even had to worry about it. But guess what? Even if that was the case, and he ended up with a 92 overall grade, 150 yards and three touchdowns, guess what? It doesn't mean Romeo Dobbs is going to get, you know, 3,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in a season. It doesn't mean that Romeo Dobbs is going to be the greatest player ever. It doesn't even mean he's going to be the number one wide receiver or halfway decent in the regular season. How are you going to tell me with three receptions that we know that the Steelers have done a good job drafting and continued that with Pickens and Pickett, which is hilarious, and Pickett, who's been horrible all through camp, <laughs> but the guy threw 15 passes, completed 13, which is great. I mean, it was a good day, completed 86.7% of his passes, 95 yards and two touchdowns. I'm not saying, I'm, and, and same with, um, with Pickens. I'm certainly not saying he didn't have a great day. He did. Both of them did. So what? Congratulations on your push-off touchdown. I, you know, I don't know what, what you want me to say. PFF is cranking out nonstop all aboard the George Pickens hype train. We got Packers took Christian Watson over George Pickens. George Pickens is a menace. Packers and Bears have two of the worst wide receiver cores in the league and both passed on George Pickens. So what? Here's a take that I can live with. I cannot believe the Steelers took George Pickens over Romeo Dobbs. <laughs> There's a lot of Packer fans on here 
that are fighting back, by the way. But when you sift through that, there is some serious nonsense. You got Brooks Austin writing an absolutely phenomenal start to a career for George Pickens. He took the NFL over last night, literally. His article for the for Sports Illustrated says, look, George Pickens takes over the NFL. Another guy on Twitter says, George Pickens was the 11th receiver taken, man. I'm crying. First of all, you guys need to stop saying you're crying on Twitter. Stop saying that. Why are you crying? I know you're crying laughing, but you sound like an idiot. Stop saying I'm crying. I'm literally crying laughing. <laughs> you're an idiot. For a lot of reasons. Don't add to it by saying stupid things like that. Why are you crying? You don't even know if the guy's going to be a good football player. By the way, George Pickens is no longer the highest graded receiver. Um, Tajay Sharp for the Bears is higher. Kendrick Pryor, Lawrence Kager, Lynn Bowden, and then below George Pickens, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Virgil, Lance McCutcheon, Dalen Baldwin, and Danny Gray. There's your top 10 wide receivers. So should we just throw freaking parties? Tajay Sharp, who's never really been all that good of a wide receiver, guess what? Elite. He's going to tear it up for Chicago. How do I know? Dude, he had two receptions, 44 yards, 92.3 overall grade. Took the NFL by storm, Tajay Sharp. Did you see? By the, by the way, much more impressive catch than George Pickens' touchdown catch was Tajay Sharp's catch, one-handed catch out of bounds from Justin Fields. Kendrick Pryor, hello, 92 overall receiving grade, uh, four receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Duh. Anybody? I'm literally crying over here, everybody. Literally crying. Lawrence Kager, never heard of him. Guess what? Learn the name, folks. Two targets, two receptions, 40 yards, 91.4 overall grade. Learn that man's name. I'm literally crying. Lynn Bowden. Again, ahead of George Pickens. Four targets, three receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. What's that? You're not crying? Get in the game, son, because I'm literally crying over here. Oh, man. You know, I was waiting to start the podcast because, like, I could have sworn we were going to hear from, you know, news about the injuries and whatnot. And I'm like, whatever, I got to get started. Just saw this. Thank you, Mr. Packer Superfan. Um, He says, uh, let's go huge. Matt Schneidman, Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, Christian Watson are coming off of PUP today. Freaking what? <laughs> now, granted, that doesn't mean they're playing, but they're off a pup. That's a, I, more than anything, that's a big sign for Elton Jenkins. I had a feeling Christian Watson, um, I knew Tunyon was kind of close, supposedly. Didn't really expect this from Elton Jenkins. I'm, I'm, I was thinking he'd probably start the season on pup, to be honest. But I am freaking jacked right now. Remaining players via Tom Silverstein um, on pup list, David Bakhtiari, Mason Crosby, and Kylan Hill that's it. Uh, via Peter Pukowski here, he says, once a guy is activated off of Puff, there is a Pup, not Puff, there is a practice window for them to either be activated or put on IR. He doesn't say what that window is. I'm not entirely sure. However, most important part, he says the only reason to start the clock on Big Elge, never heard that before, Big Bob and Watson, Big Watt, I don't know, is if the team thinks they're going to be on the 53 to start the season, that means playing early. And that does make sense. Right, Matt Schneidman added in the comment saying it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be ready to go. Right, but there's no reason to kick them off of pup if you're not sure. You know what I mean? What would be the reason for that? Because now you now you've started the clock and you've given yourself a timeline. And if they don't, if they're not ready, then they get put on IR. Which I don't even know honestly what the IR rules are anymore. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't matter. It used to be a big deal. Maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. 
but still, that that is that's my thought coming into this. Dara says eight months and three weeks since Elton Jenkins tore his ACL at U.S. Bank Stadium. He could very well be back there once again in week one as Green Bay starting left tackle. I will say it's a little troubling that um, Elton Jenkins is closer than David Bakhtiari is to coming back. But, you know, David Bakhtiari had, had an additional surgery, so he's, he's coming back from that. But still, it's a little bit like, you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> but whatever. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, literally crying. <laughs> Anyways, now I got another guy to root against, George Pickens. And it's, it's not even Pickens, although I'm, I am concerned that the guy's going to be a nut job. It's just because I want to be able to go back to this week with all the hype and just tell everybody to shut up. It's especially annoying because we had a guy have a really good day. And again, if the passes were a little bit better, it would have been maybe the best wide receiver performance of anybody this week. But whatever. It's just silly that, that that's what gets thrown in our face. You know, if you want to have your own party over there, be like, he's so good. And then we just kind of watch and go, okay, sounds good, bud. You and Kendrick Pryor are going to tear it up. But to immediately try to weaponize that against Packer fans who drafted three receivers, um, the first of which has not yet played and might be a stud, the second of which kind of already is massively impressing, the third of which also quite good, but, you know, kind of buried, so it doesn't really have a chance at this point in time. In fact, Danny Davis, I guess you would say the fourth of which, was graded as the 22nd best wide receiver, had 45 yards and a touchdown. He had two more yards than uh, Pickens on one less reception, so stick that in your eye. But the point is, all of this is kind of stupid. I mean, it's, it's good to have a good day, and, and there's nothing wrong with being happy that certain guys had good days. It's a good sign. It means more than nothing. Again, the, the coaches will all tell you this all matters. It's, it's helping us to evaluate who stays, who goes, who plays, who sits. All of it matters. And Pickens, after the first day, is, is launching himself to wide receiver one on the team based on, you know, what he's done so far. Good for him. But good Lord, everybody. Do you want to hear, you, you, you uh, hear something super crazy? Let me tell you something that's about to happen. You don't even know nothing about this, but for your fantasy football, let me give you a little insight. Don't draft Tom Brady. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. Do you know who the highest graded quarterback was in the entire preseason? Blaine Gabbert. Hear me out now. Tom Brady, he's off having a little vacation, whatever. Blaine Gabbert keeps up this with his elite passing abilities, and they're just going to tell Tom, don't even come back, man. Blaine Gabbert is the guy. Draft Blaine Gabbert. He's going to start at some point, and he will literally, because I'm literally crying about this, he will tear up the league, and I cannot stop crying about that. Literally crying. Repeatedly. That's all I do is cry about Blaine Gabbert. But anyways, um, I'm trying to figure out what to do next. Let, let's look at the Jordan Love stuff. I was planning on doing more with this. Um, I was trying to get maybe some video added to it with, to, to, to show the uh, the plays, maybe put it in an article or whatever so that it could be more visual. But I can't do that. Hulu is very, very good at hiding when you try to record your screen. I tried many different uh, recording options, and every single time they black it out. They, YouTube TV does the same thing. I think NFL.com, like their Game Pass thing, you could record those. I've done that in the past, but cannot do it on Hulu. They're too good at this stuff. So anyways, I wasn't able to kind of capture any of these. 
But I've got 25 passes. I know it says 24 attempts, I'm guessing, because one of them was called back uh, as a penalty. So there's 24 that are accounted for, but there's 25 passes that I have. I broke it down into on-target, catchable, and not catchable. I was going to have off-target, but technically catchable is off-target, but you could still catch it, so that wasn't very descriptive enough. And it's not an exact science, but I just want to go through all of the notes on the 25 passes. Because it, it really goes to what I was talking about yesterday and probably the day before or whatever, about just not feeling great about Jordan Love. Something just doesn't quite feel right. So here are all the passes. His first pass came in the first quarter, third and four. That was the pass deep down the left sideline where it landed in front of DeGuara. I counted five yards beyond where he was. It was some, you know, DeGuara's asking for a flag. He was being held, pulled back, whatever. I don't really know. All I know is that ball landed quite a bit in front of him. Not catchable. Next pass was first and 10. It was a short, quick pass to a running back, and he just missed him. Now, it's hard to know on some of these because sometimes you can blame the the angle that the running back goes or the, the wide receiver goes or a lot of different things that maybe aren't Jordan Love's fault. But when there's this many issues, I, I, I tend to think it's the quarterback and not just everybody around him because everybody else seems to be making it work except Jordan Love. Beyond that, the announcer specifically targeted his footwork and said that his feet were not in the right direction when he threw that pass. I said there's been a lot of positive talk about his footwork, but his footwork was not good on that throw. So he missed a deep shot down the left sideline where he way overthrew DeGuara. And then the next pass was a short pass to a running back, and he just missed him. The first pass, after that, it was it was second and six, is the next time he threw the ball, and they, they set up a screen pass. As I'm watching it, I was thinking, you know, I kind of wonder if they're just trying to get one in the win column for Jordan Love. It was basically a shovel pass to the running back. It was a great play. Kind of got that out of the way. Technically a pass, but kind of not really. And then the next pass, first and ten. That's where he missed Romeo Dobbs for a touchdown on the right sideline where there was maybe possibly a little bit of a tug there. Either way, pretty substantial miss. So, so far, out of three actual passes, Jordan Love missed all three to, the, to where the receiver could not even touch the football. Aside from the screen, all three of them, including one, which was the running back in the flat, which is a relatively easy throw to make, I would think. So it was a horrible first couple passes. Then he goes on a pretty strong run. Second and 10, nice eight-yard pass to Winfrey. Next pass, fourth and three, hits Romeo Dobbs in stride. And I counted the air yards because a lot of times they'll look at how many yards the pass was, which is where is the line of scrimmage compared to how far the, the wide receiver ran. So if they run for 50 yards, it counts as... I just want to see how far the the ball traveled through the air. So if he drops back 10 yards, that's an additional 10 yards because he still has to throw it from back there. I don't care what the line of scrimmage is. So I counted 37 air yards that that ball traveled. And again, fourth and three, the guy has been having a really, really rough day. His first actual decent pass of the day was an eight-yard pass to Winfrey. That, by the way, I put in the on-target column. And then he hits on-target, Romeo Dobbs, 37 air yards down the field, in stride for a touchdown. Beautiful. The next throw was Romeo Dobbs coming across the, uh, the field. Romeo Dobbs dropped it. It was not a great throw. I put it in the catchable column because it was catchable. But one of the things I notice about all of Jordan Love's passes, almost all of them, is the receivers constantly had to re- reach back, reach back and turn around, reach back and turn around. Rather than throwing out in front of him so he could just run in stride, he's got to turn back and catch. It's almost as if every single throw is at the back shoulder. They, they've got to contort their bodies, catch it, and then turn back around and keep running, or just do a full 180 spin to catch it and then turn up the field. So again, it's on Dobbs. you got to catch it, but it's, it's not a good throw. 
The next play, second and 10, 12 air yards to Romeo Dobbs. So decent, right? It's on target, good throw, travel 12 yards, catch, good to go. By the way, zero of his on-target passes were dropped. Zero of them. I'm not trying to make excuses, but none of the, the, the passes that were where they needed to be ended up getting dropped on this day. Just throw that out there. The next pass was a fourth and one. Flips it out to DeGuara. DeGuara does catch it and get up the field for a first down. But again, rather than being able to catch it in stride, he has to turn and catch the ball back at where his back shoulder is. By the time he turns, he has to turn his body around, catch it, turn back around, and turn up the field. If there had been a defender there, that would have made the difference between, you know, catching the ball in stride is going to make the difference between a first down and stopping short. And honestly, that was one of the things I really liked about Jordan Love in college is as silly as it sounded, on these short passes, they were so unbelievably on target. The, 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 the running backs or the tight ends or whoever it was that was running in the flat didn't have to adjust their pace, didn't have to change their body angle. They didn't have to do anything. They just kept on moving and caught the pass as though, I mean, if you didn't see his hands moving, you'd never know where the, the catch happened. Next pass was a three yard out to Romeo Dobbs. That was not air yards, just how far the chains move, but three yards on target. Next pass, I put as catchable, but underthrown. This was the 75 yard throw down the left sideline to Romeo Dobbs. I put it as catchable because, I mean, it's 50-50 ball. It's catchable. But Dobbs had the guy beat. And if this is in stride down the field, he walks in for a touchdown. Instead, it's underthrown. He comes back for it and is not able to catch it. That was third and 10, by the way. I don't know exactly the outcome. If they, I'm guessing they didn't go for it. I'm assuming they punted. So instead of a 75-yard touchdown or whatever it would have been, the Packers punt. Next pass after that, second and five. His arm got batted, so the ball just kind of flopped through the air. Next pass, third and five, catchable pass to Romeo Dobbs, but off target. That was the one that was ultimately intercepted. Now, it looked like a beautiful throw and catch or whatever. If you just look at it at at the catch point, he contorts his body and catches it. But again, it was just a really quick out route, just like the last three-yard out route to Dobbs. Throw it to the sideline, let him reach toward the sideline and catch it. He had to jump up and come back behind the defender to catch it and twist his body. He shouldn't have had to do that. He shouldn't have had to do that and then fall on top of the defender and ultimately put the ball in the defender's hands. He should have caught it and gone straight out of bounds. Real quick, easy pass. You catch it. You keep your momentum moving in that direction. You go out of bounds for, you know, just an inch past the first down marker. Good to go. Nothing to worry about. But for some reason, he throws it behind Dobbs, behind the defender to where Dobbs has to jump, turn his body, catch it, fall down all weird, drop the ball into the defender's arms, and then it gets picked. Again, we could say it's not his fault. But it is. And somehow I missed the previous interception. I don't know how that happened, but it was first and goal. Again, it was a drop, but there's two, two factors here. Number one was not necessarily a perfect throw. Now, you can call it nitpicking if you want, but the guy's standing still. You can hit him in the chest. He threw it at the guy's forehead. I mean, the ball, as he was standing there, it was going like for the top of his head, so Danny Davis had to jump to try to catch it. Beyond that, if you notice, there's a, a massive amount of sunlight right there. That's not Jordan Love or the, or the tight end's fault necessarily. But it is worth noting, he turned and looked and was just getting blasted right in the face with a bunch of sun and then has a football flying at it right between his eyes. So again, it's not primarily Jordan Love's fault. But it is another situation where I think if the ball is thrown better, probably isn't intercepted. At the very least, it's not going to probably pop up in the air like that. If, if he drops it as it hits him in the chest, it's going to fall on the ground. And this is what I mean about just little stuff. So far, how many great passes has he thrown to up to this point? We're, we're in the second quarter about more than halfway done with his, what he's done so far. Um, 37-yard pass that was on target, a 12-yard pass to Dobbs, and an 8-yard pass to Winfrey. 
three on-target passes so far that, that I can count, aside from a short pass to Deguara, a three-yard pass to Dobbs, and a screen pass, right? That's, that's it. Anyways, continuing on, the next pass, first and 10, he tries to hit Romeo Dobbs on a comeback. I don't understand the point of it. Not only was Dobbs blanketed, but the ball was nowhere near anything. I'm surprised the defender didn't intercept that pass. And on top of that, the announcers are saying he had a guy that was a check down that was available. Should have just thrown it to him. He didn't. He threw it to Romeo Dobbs, trying to force it to him. There was nothing there, and it ended up falling incomplete. The next pass, again, another short pass to Winfrey. It's on target, but, you know, it's a short pass. The next pass after that was a catch on a non-catchable throw, which seems impossible, but it's not, because ultimately the pass could not have been caught. Juwan Winfrey jumps up, barely tips the ball. It's so far thrown over his head. He launches himself up, just barely tips it for, for it to go straight up in the air, and then he catches it on the way down. That was not a catchable pass as he threw it. It was a circus catch by the wide receiver. So that was uncatchable even though he caught it. And then after that is just a bunch of these, like, back shouldery, like not just in the right spot type throws. Second and 13 throw to Danny Davis. Danny Davis is wide open, running basically in the flat. And again, he has to make this spinning catch because it's at his back shoulder. Rather than throwing it out in front of him so he can catch it and continue to run up the field, he has to spin and catch it and then do a spin move and try to get up the field that way. And he ends up spinning right into a defender and getting smoked. The next pass, another spinning catch by a running back in the flat. It's right in the flat, and the running back has to stop, spin his body around to catch it. The pass after that is the ball that gets thrown behind Amari Rodgers, and it gets picked. Comes back out, does it again. Spinning throw to a running back. This time the running back, I think it was Patrick Taylor, dropped it. So he wasn't able to make the spinning catch. Uh, The throw after that, he hits, um, it was on target, and it was 24 air yards, which is impressive, but it was also a wide receiver standing still. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You can only do what you can do, but he didn't have to try to lead him. It was not, he was literally standing, had stopped in his route and stood there and Jordan Love threw it to him. So, I mean, if if, if that doesn't end up on target, that sucks. Although the Tyler Davis ball wasn't really on target either. The next throw, um, could, it's a little bit tough to tell. Again, a running back in the flat, which somehow was his Achilles heel all night, completely missed the running back. Now, maybe it was the running back's fault. I don't really know. It's hard to, t- again, I don't know what kind of angle he's supposed to run, but all I know is the running back extended as far as he could to try to grab the ball, and he could not grab it. So, you know, maybe we don't dock Jordan Love, but again, considering how bad this has been all day, it's hard to not think that maybe that's part of the issue on that throw. And then finally, his last throw of the day was that 25-yard back shoulder to uh, Davis, who ran it in for a touchdown. So give him credit for that. So on the day, 25-yard back shoulder throw, there is the, I guess, 24-yard pass that was on target when the guy was standing still. Um, there was the 12-yard pass to Romeo Dobbs that was on target. The 37-yard touchdown pass that was on target. And then other than that, it was an 8-yarder, a short pass, a 3-yarder, you know, little of this, little of that. But the, the amount of short passes in particular that were not on target or just completely uncatchable, by my count of the 25... Nine were on target, and most of those were very short passes. So 36% on target, including a screen. <laughs> so again, I, I went back and looked at it, and I was, I was much less impressed. You know, my, my biggest issue was, you know, it wasn't bad. There weren't a lot of really bad throws from Jordan Love, which I think I'm kind of wrong about, because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven completely uncatchable passes. That's not great. But even that, it, was, it wasn't that bad, and he got let down by all his receivers and all that. 
And that's true, but every single dropped ball, or even the two interceptions that he's not getting blamed for, these were not on-target passes. These were bad passes. You know, and the, and the, the Tyler Davis thing is more on Tyler Davis than it is on Jordan Love, but the guy's standing still like five yards in front of you. Why are you throwing it at his forehead? And it's a rocket ball, by the way. So he's staring into the sun trying to catch a rocket ball thrown at his forehead. I don't get it. Anyways, looks like it's going to be a late practice today. So we'll get some live, uh, live updates as things go on, but that's just the way it's going to be. I'm not sitting here all day waiting to record until 10 o'clock, and I got my Packernet after dark thing to do. Um, Elton Jenkins, though, back in pads for the first time since injuring his ACL last season. That's freaking exciting. Literally watching video. Oh, 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 sorry. I'm just watching videos of this guy just sprinting and taking people out. I could not be happier in my life. Uh, in his gains, Kylan Hill, Dante Vaughn, Darnell Savage, Bakhtiari, and Schneider, Cole Schneider, all working with the rehab group. However, Cole Schneider out of his walking boot, so we're making progress. Are we really just going to do a live training camp update here? <laughs> Tell you what, why don't we take a break? We'll talk a little bit about this kicker that we picked up, and then I think I think that is what we're going to do. We'll just do some live training camp uh, stuff. It'll be fun. It'll, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen today. I knew they were practicing. I was like, why? Where? What's going? Usually it's at ten. Today's the late day. Anyways, uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can jump in for as little as one dollar per month. That would be glorious and wonderful. Thank you so very much to Donnie. I might have already thanked you, but thanks again for, for jumping in. Um, thank you to Benny the Beast for upping your pledge. That's much appreciated. And then thank you to Joe Pack Go for jumping in on Patreon. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Greatly appreciated. And if you want to be cool like Joe Pack Go, head on over, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Green Bay Packers did go out and get a new kicker. I've been digging around trying to find, um, you know, a little bit of information. There isn't much out there. Uh, He was with the Bears, but there's literally not a single statistic about him. So he must not have played a single preseason game or anything. He was with the USFL. Apparently he has a very big leg. Um, USFL is weird with their statistics. I'm trying to find out his um, field goal percentage and all that stuff. Nothing. They they do all that by team, not not by player for some reason. So they have his kickoff statistics, and I could not care any less about his kickoff statistics. So um, bottom line, I don't really have a lot of information. But as I said, it was what Friday was the game after hit that missed field goal. I said I wouldn't be surprised if by tomorrow they have a new kicker. It took him till Sunday, which makes sense. They probably brought him in immediately after on Saturday, signed him on Sunday. So I'm going to call that a dead on a dead on strike. Anyways, let's get to some of this training camp, man. I'm fired up with all these guys coming back. Uh, by the way, via Aaron Nagler here, regarding the three coming off of Pup, once they practice, it eliminates the possibility they can be placed on regular season Pup. Pretty positive step forward. So that's done. That cannot happen, which makes sense, but it's worth mentioning. Um, Matt LaFleur said that Gabe Burkick injured his hamstring in warmups against the 49ers, which explains why he missed the field goal attempt so badly. Whatever. I, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. We need to bring somebody else in. The guy's been rough since forever, but fine. We'll, we'll, we'll give him some grace, I guess. I don't care. We need to find special teamers that are good at special teams because I feel like everything is a disaster right now. I'm also not feeling warm and fuzzy about our punter, but the, the relationship between him and Mason is like, I don't think we can separate them, which kind of sucks because I don't know if these guys are any good at stuff, you know, so I don't know. Anyways, um, Matt LaFleur says that today's practice will be dedicated to the guys who didn't play in the game on Friday, so I guess a lot of veteran work. Practice today is expected to be an hour and 20 minutes. Matt LaFleur did go on to say it would be nice if there were only regional, uh, as in local, preseason games, which kind of makes sense. Doesn't seem to be happy about traveling so far for a stupid preseason game. Um, on Amari Rogers, Matt LaFleur says, wide receiver Amari Rogers made some good plays, but he said there were a lot. there was a lot to clean up. And then he said there's a lot to clean up overall, especially with some of the blocking from the receivers, which is true. We've seen some of the highlights of that. But that was kind of my point on Amari Rodgers in general. Um, Of the great plays we saw, there was the big kick return, which is great. And then there was the play where he was wide open and then just ran in a straight line. He did break a tackle, which is great. But um, I don't think we saw him win a single route. I'm not trying to dump on the guy. I'm I'm just trying to keep things realistic here. That's it, you know? I want to be very specific about what it is we saw because because we get a little carried away with breakout game and this is amazing and it's like I yeah I don't know um, Matt Lafleur says the team needs to do a better job blocking too many guys are just throwing shoulders into blocks which literally doesn't make any sense it has nothing to do with blocking <laughs> there's a whole technique thing involved which Matt or uh, Matt Lafleur uh, Coach Hahn could could delve in a little bit but I, I have a feeling there's a lot to do with like hands arms feet. None of that is engaged when you're just throwing shoulders at people, though. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Says that Dallin Levitt will be out a while. Um, nothing else that'll keep anybody else out for very long. So I'm assuming Levitt's not going to make the team. He's not so much of a lock that they're willing to, you know, stash him injured, I wouldn't think. But who knows? Maybe they do. Why, what's, what's it going to hurt, I guess? Um, specifically talking about Elton, Tunyon, and Watson coming off a pup. He says it's the next step in the process. It's not like they'll be out there in team drills. They're, they'll do individual and some kind of walkthroughs. He says on that pick, two different things, and, and I kind of said both of these, but uh, Matt LaFleur says Amari Rogers needed to not get stuck behind the DB versus the two-high look on Jordan Love's third pick, which was kind of the issue, right? You could tell he threw it as he was trying to come out of his break, but he never 
was able to push through the defensive back, which is going to obviously throw off the timing a bit. But he goes on to say, that said, he acknowledged Love didn't need to throw the ball there. Quote, we still shouldn't have thrown it there. The play should have gone off schedule, but it is what it is. Went on to say tomorrow's practice will be a jog through. Man, this is fun. I'm, I'm looking at training camp and on my other screen, I got the Vikings game about to come up. This is a great day. Matt LaFleur on the chances of David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Robert Tunyon might play this preseason. He says, quote, I haven't ruled that out, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that either. So we'll call that a no, which is, I mean, come on. What are the odds that that would obviously happen? Matt LaFleur's quote on the versatility of Elton Jenkins. He says, shoot, we could probably line him up at tight end. Who knows? Maybe we will. Uh, Matt LaFleur would not commit uh, to any spot on the offensive line for Elton Jenkins. Said we're not going to rush him back. And the Packers released Gabe Burkick. So <laughs> there you go. Silly to be like, oh, he mi- he only missed it because he tweaked his hamstring. Uh, we did cut him, but, you know, still. But yeah, we got video of Christian Watson running down the field, catching passes, man. This is glorious. Devontae Wyatt is back practicing. I don't know if I said that already. You got Tunyon out running routes, catching passes. Randall Cobb is back. Do not see Dominique Daphne out there. And I could literally just sit here and watch Elton Jenkins block all day. But um, uh, injuries for today. Uh, Levitt, we already know, is a shoulder. Uh, Tipa Nalii, elbow injury. Dominique Daphne, knee injury. Juwan Winfrey has a groin injury. I didn't know about that. And then uh, Akil Byers with a toe injury. Uh, Vernon Scott is with the ones at safety still. Um, offensive line left to right. Yash Nyman, John Runyon. Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman. So staying consistent with the starting offensive line. First note, another practice, another pressure by Rashawn Gary working over Royce Newman. So Rashawn got a chance to get a breather, comes out and just destroys Royce Newman right out of the gate. Mercedes Lewis with a catch. Zach Tom getting some work at left guard for John Runyon. Says Runyon doesn't look hurt, we'll keep an eye on it. Kind of weird. Samori Ture finds some nice separation on an intermediate crossing route. Love underthrows it, uh, it a bit, but Ture adjusts for a sliding catch. Nixon in coverage. I really don't want to turn into like an anti-Love guy. I don't. I'm just, the frustration is mounting a bit. No ref to help, but the new kicker appears to have hit from 33 and 40. So there's a positive development. A couple of mid-range field goal kicks, 2-0. and oh, I'll take it. Now John Runyon's back at left guard for the next team period. That was only a couple minutes, apparently. Herman says, man, these linebackers are fast. Devondre all over an outside run by Jones. Been the same thing all camp with Campbell and Quay flying to the sideline. Not just outside. Campbell stuffs a Dylan run inside too. Campbell has had a great camp. Nice cut by Jones. Doesn't matter. Clark eats it up. Rodgers hits Lazar over the middle, then Cobb over the middle for nice gains. Offense is running up tempo. Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs are the two wide receivers on the field for a look in 21 personnel during team period. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of rotation that goes on, but based on this, sounds to me like Dobbs may have slid himself into that number two wide receiver role. A.J. Dillon with a nifty one-handed catch on a bubble pass from Aaron Rodgers, throw behind him, turned to adjust, and the back just stuck in his left, is that ball stuck in his left hand? He wasn't supposed to make those kinds of plays out of Boston College impressive, so he's been doing a lot of that impressive reception type stuff. Collision between Dillon and Quay, nothing malicious, just two players going hard. Lazard didn't seem too happy with the play by seven, though, and Alexander backed up his man. That's kind of funny. So Quay just nails Dylan. Lazard gets furious. Jair gets in Lazard's face. Meanwhile, Rodgers is dealing over the middle, hits Tyler Davis in stride. Rodgers finds some rhythm, hits Lazard and Cobb on back-to-back crossers. There has been an Akil Byers sighting. He is off to the sideline, apparently in a walking boot, so that is not great news for him. Another guy that 
probably really didn't have a chance of uh, making the 53, so it's not going to really hurt his chances there. But still not great. He was having a pretty decent camp. I know, I think it was uh, Sam Holman, I think, singled him out as far as a guy that was really making some plays in that uh, first preseason game. Could be wrong about that, but that is what I believe happened. Now we got two-minute drill going down, and Zach Tom is again back at left guard. So apparently they're they're really giving that a solid look. Um, it's good news for Tom. It really is. Uh, I, 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 trying to read into this, especially considering he had a, a really, really good day uh, in preseason week one, I really think this is just a matter of we want to see if he can do You know, We want him to be as versatile as possible because we're trying to find any way we can to get him on the field, you know? We've established he can play tackle, right tackle and left tackle, but he's probably not going to. Let's see what he can do at guard. Let's see if he can be that Elton Jenkins type that can slide anywhere on the offensive line. Now, it doesn't say necessarily that this is uh, first string or second string. This is the first I'm hearing of two-minute drill, so I'm assuming this is with Aaron Rodgers there. It's also a little surprising it's left guard. You would think you'd want to try him at right guard just because left guard is a little bit more, like, figured out. But I don't know. I kind of refuse to believe that Runyon's job is at risk here. So I don't fully understand it. But again, we're, we're, we're gathering more information to see if the guy can do the job. Anyways, getting into the two-minute drill, it says Rodgers just had to kill a throw in two minutes because Gary blew it up. Quarterback playfully grabs his horse collar afterwards. It's got to be frustrating but also exciting to have a guy like Rashawn Gary just absolutely destroy things all the time because you know he's on your team. Like, man, you're really good. And I love and hate it so much. Samori Ture in with the ones for the two-minute drill. And he bites on Roger's hard count for a false start. Oh, no. Oh, that stinks. He finally gets called up. Finally gets a chance to be with the big dogs and show what he can do. And he jumps off sides on an Aaron Rodgers hard count. I gotta know now, did, did Rodgers just point him off the field to get the heck out of here? Can't be messing with Rodgers in two-minute, man. That's serious stuff. He wants to win that. It's not a game. On my other screen, by the way, we have it like back-to-back penalties on uh, Vikings rookie corner Andrew Booth, so that's kind of exciting. It says pressure might have gotten home, but Amari Rodgers did a nice job on a scramble drill to find space for Aaron Rodgers to find him down the field. Uh, and Igbari with a nice pass rush versus Royce Newman for a pressure. It's nice to see him kind of, you know, he's been dead silent for pretty much all of training camp. But, you know, you get the pads going on, you hear his name once or twice, he shows up in a pretty big way in the preseason game. And then the first practice back, with a little bit of confidence, a little bit of pep in his step, he ends up getting a pressure versus Royce Newman with the ones, by the way. But uh, the conclusion of that tweet says, nice pass rush versus Newman for, uh, Ru- Newman for a pressure. Roger steps up and delivers a dart to Amari. Again, that was probably the same tweet, but more context. Nice coverage by Vernon Scott in the back of the end zone on Alan Lazard. Rodgers gets Ramsey to jump on his third hard count to keep the two-minute drill alive. So he's just... <laughs> He's just trying to cheat his way down the field. I know it's not cheating, but it's funny. And then Enigbare with a key pressure on fourth down against Newman, but Rodgers fades away and throws up a prayer that Aaron Rodgers answers as he skies for a massive clutch catch. Wild play from Jones. Whole offense explodes in celebration. Assuming that was a touchdown. Next tweet says, Dramatic way to end two minute. Rodgers on heels, chucks a ball up on fourth and five from the nine and finds Aaron Jones near the far sideline for a touchdown offense rushes him that's pretty exciting because there's been a lot of fourth down hail marys in training camp and they all end in either deflections or picks so it's kind of cool to have aaron jones come down with one it's also cool that you had a fadeaway shot with kingsley and agbare and agbar whatever right near in rogers face 
everything about that is kind of exciting, actually. That is until somebody updates us on who it was, the DB, that completely missed an interception opportunity. And apparently on the hard count, it's, this is why it's so good to read everybody's tweet, because there's so much context that people leave out. On the hard count that continued the drive and got a first down, he threw up a Hail Mary on that play as well, and it got picked off by Razul Douglas. But obviously he gets another play, fourth down again, another Hail Mary. This time Aaron Jones comes down with it. Uh, Cassidy Hill says it looks like it was Stokes that tried to rip it from him on the way down. Obviously wasn't able to do it. Somebody else says Aaron Jones won the jump ball over Eric Stokes. Brian Wood says the defense might disagree with it being a Jones catch. Mike Spofford adds it's tough to say whether Rodgers would have been sacked before the throw. So that's twice now there were two completions that Enigbare could have absolutely blown up, potentially, but obviously he's not allowed to follow through and, and touch Rodgers at all, so he kind of has to let up. But should be, uh, I was going to say should be Jordan Love's turn for the two-minute, but I guess that's it. They did mention it was going to be most of the guys that weren't out there that are going to be practicing, so I guess Jordan Love doesn't get his two-minute opportunity because it is officially over. Matt Schneidman says Kingsley and Agbar was in Aaron Rodgers' face three times during that, dur- during that two-minute drill. That is, that's glorious. Sounds like they tried for a two-point conversion. Romeo Dobbs comes up with, according to Herman, a ridiculous catch out of bounds. So it was a a beautiful catch, but it was out of bounds, and the defense sort of explodes in celebration to kind of mock the offense's exploding celebration. Bill Huber says, Jones' touchdown in two minutes was impressive, but it's a win for the D. Possible sack, but Dobbs is well out of bounds on a two-point play anyway against Douglas. I honestly don't have any idea what that tweet means, but there you go. Matt Schneidman says, y'all should have seen how turned up Joe Barry was after the defense held on fourth down to end two minute. Wait, so they're saying it wasn't a catch by Jones now? And that wasn't a two-point conversion that was them trying again? or what? I'm, I'm completely lost as to what's going on. Here's what it says. You should have seen how turned up Joe Barry was after the defense held on fourth down to end two minute. Ran the width of the field and started dancing around. Douglas helped force the incompletion to Dobbs. Whole defense ran across the field too. After offense did the same on a Jones touchdown prize. So this is a different two minute. I'm so lost. It's just one play. I don't understand. Anyways, whatever. Maybe it's just a, a red zone thing. You get one try in the red zone. I don't know. Anyways, uh, there's going to be interviews and everything else, but I need to be done with this now. So we'll kind of cover some of that stuff tomorrow. Uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.